When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo, once again, uh, being joined by my Kobe writer at Mass Live, Chris Smith. Uh, we wanted to get another pod out. I know we just did one uh, late last week, but the trade deadline has come and gone for the Red Sox. A lot has happened since we were last on here. So kind of a quick recap today, um, two days after the trade deadline, what ended up being, I think, uh, overall kind of an underwhelming deadline for the Red Sox. Yes, they made four deals. Brandon Workman and Heath Henry going to the Phillies, which we already knew um, heading into the weekend. Uh, Mitch Moreland goes to the Padres on Sunday for two prospects. And then kind of the two mi- more minor deals on Monday afternoon, Kevin Pillar to the Rockies and uh, Josh Osich, the reliever to the Cubs, uh, player to be, players to be named later coming back in both of those deals. So, um, you know, I think the big takeaway, as, as uh, many have said, is more about the players the Red Sox didn't deal it's Christian Vasquez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Matt Barnes. Um, you know, obviously, I think guys that we thought were going to stay, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. But, um, you know, the Red Sox, for the most part, didn't tear it down as much as I think a lot of people would have guessed. Um, but they did kind of start this rebuild or retool by by making four trades in, involving five veterans. And, um, Chris, were you surprised at kind of the lack of activity? I know you texted me about 4 p.m. on that day calling it a boring day. So I'm sure you were. <laughs> Yeah, it was a boring day. I mean, I, you know, I'm surprised Jackie Bradley didn't get dealt. Um, you know, I'm surprised Matt Barnes didn't get dealt. But, you know, what was the market for some of these guys? Um, you know, Jackie Bradley not having a great year offensively. Obviously, he's a, an elite defender, but he's not having a great year offensively. And, you know, he's up at the end of the month, you know, or yeah. when the playoffs end. And, you know, Matt Barnes is, hasn't been that effective this year and you know and you look at his numbers against uh the yankees and houston specifically and you know he really hasn't pitched well against the better teams in his career in his career i'm talking about houston and and new york are really bad and so it's like well you know if he's not pitching anyway how's he going to help in a postseason run if he's not that good against those kind of teams anyway so um you know by not trading matt barnes that just shows you the market just wasn't there for matt barnes and um you know, and I think that with Jackie Bradley, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I would have said 0% chance at the beginning of the year that he was on the 2021 team. But, you know, things have changed uh, financially, obviously. Um, he hasn't had a great season, uh, so he's not going to make a ton of money next, uh, I wouldn't think, next off season uh, or this coming off season. And so, um, you know, I could see him as a one-year bridge gap to uh, to – to Jaron Duran. Now it's not necessarily going to take Duran a year, but I think that they would like to get him in some actual minor league games like triple a before he comes up next year. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, they, they are kind of committed to the development track there. Remember Duran was only drafted, um, a couple years ago and, um, you know, he's been quick, but, uh, it's kind of hard to judge at the alternate site against, you know, not real competition exactly how much these guys are progressing. And I think um, there's going to be a step back taken when the minor leagues are if, next year, if they're restarted and they're more normal. Um, 
you know, with Bradley, you know, I've heard that Heim Bloom is a huge fan of him. He, you know, stuck up for him when other members of the organization wanted to move on over the winter. And I think that speaks, you know, to kind of his strategy. He had that um, surprising almost quote the other day where he said, um, we want Jackie here for a long time. You know, I don't think that a lot of people thought the Red Sox felt that way. Maybe it was just posturing or whatever, but um you know, I think that was one of the big takeaways is, yeah, maybe there is a future for Jackie here. Um, and I, I, if if they had no intentions of trying to re-sign him, I think they would have just given him up for a bag of balls or whatever because they did discuss him ahead of the deadline. Yeah, so I, I definitely do think there's a chance. And, you know, even though we said long-term or a long time, um, I, I would, I would uh, think that one-year deal, and I don't think it will be a qualifying offer. I don't think they'll qualify him. Yeah. Um, I think they'll try to negotiate a, a one-year deal after after non uh, after not giving them a qualifying offer. Yeah, a guy you just talked about, Jaron Duran, is um, interesting because he did not get called up in the wake of Kevin Pillar being traded to Colorado. I think when that happened, that was the obvious candidate. Um, entering the season, the Red Sox you know had a ton of outfield depth, and then all of a sudden, Benintendi's out probably for the year at this point, and you have. Um, Kevin Pillar traded to the Rockies. You're down from your your four solid outfielders to two, and Alex Verdugo and Jackie Bradley Jr. And the Red Sox are going to fill in that spot. Left vacant by Pilar with uh, Jairo Munoz, who's just called up um, with Jose Peraza, apparently. Zhu Wei Lin, who actually made a couple nice plays out there in the last couple days. And uh, J.D. Martinez, who always likes going out there. Um, when he's healthy, he's not at the moment dealing with that hand injury from being hit the other day. Um, you know, so it's going to be stopgap options, and, and they still have Cesar um, Pueyo, I think it's Pueyo or Puello at uh, at Pawtucket. Um, so, uh, you know, I think this is a commitment to more development for Duran, and to me, it, it shows kind of the strategy of the organization. You know, with service time, and this year where I think one day on the active major league roster equals 2.6 days of service time in another year, it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring up you know, these guys, um, whether it's Duran or some of these pitchers for really extended stays. I think that's a huge reason why Pavetta is still in Pawtucket, as I wrote about this morning. If they keep him down there through September 18th or 19th, they get an extra year. One guy that they did bring up had a huge debut with a homer was Bobby Dahlbeck. Chris, he's a guy that you've obviously been writing about for years and a guy that's always intrigued you. And, and he is now looking like he's going to get an extended look here in the final month of the year. Yeah, I'm just interested to see the the contact. I think that he's different from Michael Chavis um, just because I think he has a better um, understanding of the strike zone or, you know, I mean, I think he lays off a lot of pitches pitches better than uh, Chavis does. However, they both swing and miss it a lot. And if you're willing to do that, you're going to have to hit for a lot of power. And so um, it should be interesting to see the type of player Dahlbeck is. I think he's a better player than Chavis, um, but it's it, you know it's difficult to tell right now. Obviously, what 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 long term he could be, but um, you know he's a guy that you know he's 24. It was about time for him, and and um, we'll see. Uh, he's definitely going to get a lot of playing time this uh, this coming month. Yeah, we saw kind of in the first two days the whole Bobby Dahlbeck experience. Really, um, you know Homer and in, in his debut, four strikeouts the next night. Uh, didn't play Tuesday night against the Braves, but seems like him and Chavis are going to be really the primary options at first base. Dahlbeck can also play third if Devers ever needs a breather or is banged up or anything like that. So 
but I think, you know, going off what I was just saying, I think Dahlbeck and being a prospect who's called up is going to be the exception to the rule here. They're not going to want to burn service time, but he just seemed like, you know, there is an, a hole. He's ready. Um, he was probably going to be up in the majors this year anyway. It wasn't a rush type of deal. And um, uh, they're willing to burn a little bit of service time to see what they have in him. Yeah, and I think it's not exactly, you know, it is burning service time, obviously, and you talk about Pavetta and everything, and that's true. But, like, you know, with a guy like Tanner Houck, I don't think it's all about, you know, burning service time. I think that they want these guys, you know, completely ready, like their top prospects, completely ready before they make the majors. And, you know, with with Houck, everybody's been on, you know, I've been tweeting a lot about him and, and nine strikeouts the other day at, at Pawtucket and, you know, everybody's like, why isn't he up? And it's just because, you know, they're, I mean, there's, they're, they wanted to him to improve his approach against left-handers. And I don't know, like, you know, obviously we saw a different strategy with, with Dombrowski. I mean, you know, Mankata was up, Devers was up. Those guys were up straight from double A. Um, or ben maybe Attendee Mankata. was pretty quick ben too, Attendee right? Was, yeah, he was straight from double A. Mankata may have had a little time at Pawtucket, I think. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, there was like three of them. And then, you know, and, and they, they made a lot of guys made their, and, you know, a lot of guys made their major league de- debuts without a ton of time in the higher levels of the minors. And I think that that's been the opposite approach, especially with pitching prospects that, that Tampa has had, that, that where Bloom was, obviously. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. We're not going to see them just push guys up um, because they, you know, their rotation stinks or because you know they want to see the how what they can do before next year yeah i thought it was interesting you know we talked to nick pivetta yesterday on a zoom call from from Pawtucket, and he was saying um that the red sox have told him that they want to get him stretched out as a starter because he only was going three and two thirds was his last outing at lehigh valley at the phillies alternate site after he was demoted um he was in the major league bullpen demoted uh was getting stretched out Lehigh Valley gets traded, goes through the intake process, and now is in Pawtucket, just pitched three innings the other day. He's talking about, you know, we really need to stre- get stretched out before I come up, and they say it's going to take two more weeks. Well, two more weeks coincidentally puts you at September 18th where you get him for an extra year, and three innings of Nick Pavetta is probably better than, you know, three innings of Zach Godley or three innings of uh, Chris Mazza. You look at the last four days, this is, this proves the Pavetta service time thing, obviously. Um, you have Mazza. Oh, yeah. Godley, Brewer, Weber, and Robinson Lair as the last turn through the rotation. So um, there's no way Pavetta Pavetta's better than probably all five of those guys, and um, he is going to be uh, down there uh, apparently for for two more weeks. Um, I don't I don't know if you were on the call yesterday with him, but I thought he said some interesting things about um, you know he wanted an organization to commit to him in the role he wanted to be in. He wants to be a starter. The Red Sox are working him out like that. Dave Bush had some nice things to say about his pitch mix. Um, if you look at the major league numbers, obviously he struggled. Um, you know, a lot of people, because uh, I was looking at Twitter yesterday and reading some stuff on him from earlier this season, a lot of Phillies fans who are um, always, you know, the nicest of those Philly fans in every sport, but they were calling for him to be DFA'd. So um, he does seem like the guy who, you know, could be a perfect change of scenery candidate. Um, you know, he's not the... The uh, the whole package in that deal, obviously, they got Connor Siebold as well. But, um, you know, Pavetta, what the Red Sox could need for him, him to be, you know, the fifth starter in a rotation that as of right now will include, um, and this is if everything goes well and there's no more trades, Eduardo Rodriguez, Martin Perez, his options picked up, which I think it will be. 
uh, Nathan Avaldi and then eventually Chris Sale and Nick Pavetta as your number five with some other options. I'm sure they'll sign someone else. And how cool factor in? That's not a horrible mix, but um, just your thoughts on Pavetta. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know if you were on that call yesterday, but um, kind of a lot of people writing about him in the last couple of days and, and what he's trying to do here. Yeah, I was not on that call. Actually, I was um, uh, walking down the street about two miles, pushing a chariot, uh, a baby chariot <laughs> with Kaylee in there. But uh, no, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's interesting with him. The, um, from what I read your article uh, or somebody else's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably someone um, no, it was probably yours. Um, two thousand. He wants to go back to his two thousand eighteen mechanics, correct? Or, or yeah. what he was doing right mm-hmm. in two thousand eighteen, and right. and he was pretty good in two thousand eighteen. And you look at a guy, and you look at a guy like this, and he went to like that, you know, Trevor Bauer type of short arm slot mechanics types thing, and you know, a lot of guys are doing that type type of thing. I mean, uh, Ravi Ray, um, you know, is is messed up his whole season because he did yeah. that. And so, um, you know, people are fooling around with that stuff. And, and I think they'll go back. They need to, you know, go back, look at what, what um, you know, is best for him, what worked best for him in 2018. And I really – I think there's potential there. I think the change of scenery is a, a big thing too um, because he's always somebody that's had potential, um, you know, and, and it just hasn't come. And I think Connor uh, Siebold is another interesting guy. I've heard a lot of good things about him. And, uh, you know, so, so there's a lot of, you know, they needed some depth there too at the higher levels of the minors, uh, you know, another pitching prospect type. And, you know, he provides that, which I'm surprised that the, they didn't do that the rest of the deadline, get more, more higher level pitching prospects, but they didn't. And so, um, well, they, they yeah. might've been the Pilar and the Osage deal. We still that's don't true. Know. That's true. You're right about that. So the total haul for the Red Sox at the trade deadline um, is Nick Pavetta and Connor Siebold, as we just mentioned, uh, and the Padres deal for Mitch Moreland, Hudson Potts, who's a, a power-hitting corner infielder, who's a former um, top pick, um, and then Jason Rosario, who's an athletic, speedy center fielder who does backflips for celebrations, as Chris Smith wrote the other day on MassLive.com, and then two players we name later and some international uh, signing money in that Pillar deal. When you look at that haul, it's six players. We know who four of them are. I think, you know, peop- they've gotten praised for the Workman deal. That That's kind of behind us now. Um, but I think people really praised them for the return for Moreland, too. Um, you know, Moreland is a, a, a very good very good player in his role, but he's a part-time player um, at, this part, at this point in his career. We've seen he's not going to play against lefties. He's not going to play every day. Um, yes, the fact that he had a $3 million option for next season helped a lot. But I think, you know, the return with – uh, Potts and Rosario was pretty strong, even though there was no pitching in that deal. Yeah. So Rosario, you know, I've tried to read as many scouting reports, you know, on baseball America and MLB, MLB pipeline stuff like that. Rosario, there was something interesting on MLB pipeline. It said, you know, he has the ability to be a dazzling, you know, center fielder and really do like, you know, incredible things. Um, you know, that, that remains to be seen. Obviously he's never played yeah. above high A. But he, there's people that think he has, you know, a lot of potential, and uh, he's good at making contact. And you know, as a as a young guy, I think 20 years old, you know, he has a good sense of the strike zone. And so there's a lot of positives. Obviously, speedy too. And and um, you know, Bloom mentioned mentioned him as a, po- a possible, you know, leadoff type guy in years and years and years from now. But um, the other guy, Potts, is interesting. But you know. 
they have a lot of those guys, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like it just kind of reminds me of like Blaze Jordan in a way, like a ton of power, but he's going to strike out. And that reminds me of Bobby Dahlbeck. And that reminds me of Michael Chavis. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, they're, you know, it's, it's like he needs to make more contact and he needs to have a better approach to make it to the majors and have an impact. And so, you know, we'll see what, what can they do with them? Um, you know, but, but both those guys have their flaws, but if they can get past their flaws, they have the ability to be everyday players from what I've read on their scouting reports and everything. So it should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, uh, you know, especially for Moreland, I thought that was a pretty good return. Uh, you know, teams always, uh, teams that are out of it and don't have a lot of upper minor league depth tend to capitalize on the teams that do. So when you find a team that has, you know, a stocked farm system, 40-man roster crunch with Rule 5 guys coming after um, after the season, you know, you can kind of capitalize on that. And uh, in this weird, bizarre world we're in, the Red Sox get to capitalize on the Padres being a contender, which is something you've pretty much never seen. It's always you know, the other way around there. But San Diego decided to be extremely aggressive at the deadline, not just acquiring Mitch Moreland, but obviously Mike Clevenger, another big seven-player deal with the Mariners. that got them Austin Nola and a couple of relievers. And then uh, Jason Castro from the Angels. So the Padres obviously were the most aggressive. I know our focus was really on the Red Sox for the last week. Um, but uh, my general impression of the deadline was it was a pretty boring one. I think when you look at pure impact guys who are, you know, stars, Clevenger obviously stands out above the group going to San Diego and, you know, things, the circumstances have changed there in Cleveland and not for the better with, um, you know, him going out and violating COVID protocols, falling out of favor. After that, it was a bunch of kind of take it or leave it guys for me. Uh, Starling Marte gets moved to the Marlins, um, traded for the second time in, in the last year. Robbie Ray got moved, uh, Mike Miner, some of these, you know, veterans who have been around a while. Archie Bradley goes to the Reds. So, uh, you know, it was a kind of a lot of um, teams that don't usually compete, like the Blue Jays, the Reds, the Padres, the Marlins, trying to load up for the stretch run here, which, you know, I guess they see the window and why not go for it. Um, but overall, I thought not just for the Red Sox, but for baseball, a pretty boring um, deadline where not a lot of impact guy removed, impact guys removed understandable though too just because of where you know the season is uh, with the coronavirus and i don't think that at this point i don't think there's um you know the season's going to be canceled at any point i think they Mm -hmm. will make it through the world series but do you have to take that into consideration and you know money of people's contracts you know going into the you know next year and the years after i mean teams you know did not um you know accrue the type of uh, revenue that they usually do uh, because there's no fans in the stands and the TV money with just 60 games instead of 162. So, uh, you know, it's difficult and it's going to be, it's that's going to spill over into the off season in terms of, of free agent signings. It's going to be crazy. And then we have a whole nother aspect of that too, is that some of the best players that are going on in the free agent market. I mean, if you were to think about it at the beginning of the year, you know, George Springer and Robbie Gray, who, um, you know, as I said, was, is, hasn't been good at all. I mean, George Springer has a 200 average. I looked it up after we talked to earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. He's only hitting 200. And so, um, you know, some of these guys, it's like, you know, really, you know, Jackie Bradley. I mean, you would have thought he would have made more money than what you would think now. I mean, because he hasn't had a good year. And, you know, and and, and so we're it's going to be a very interesting offseason. And maybe you can get a good pitcher like Trevor Bauer for a lesser amount. I think the guy the Red Sox are going to get 
is uh, Reclamation Project and, and Jay Goderizzi, former Ray, who Bloom knows. Yeah, that would be my guess a, for who, who's. Uh, but he's he's having a difficult year too, right? Yeah, three bad starts, and uh, he's been on the on the injured list since. So I mean, these are the type of the guys that. Uh, I think he got hit with a comebacker in the. Oh yes. It's section. Uh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, you know, as I see the Red Sox set up their off season, I see. You know, I think what they were looking at was clear in the last couple of weeks that, you know, they could have gotten blown away for Barnes or Vasquez and some of these controllable guys, even Nate Evaldi. We saw a rumor about him going to the Rangers for Ruby Odor, which, uh, you know, that, that didn't materialize. Um, this is going to be a quick pod. So last thought here, um, and this is something that, you know, I know Sean McAdam uh, from Boston Sports Journal, he said, I think on the radio, and then he brought up to me, um, does it make sense for the Red Sox to shop Vasquez, get a lot of value back for him, and then go out and sign JT Real Muto, who's probably the best free agent on the market. What are your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, I mean, if I'm, uh, to be honest, I, I think that maybe they were looking at his, his market because they had that in mind. You know, they're, they're you know, a lot of trades, uh, Dombrowski used to say, and a lot of things are set up at the trade deadline that don't happen that end up happening during the offseason because you can you know, get more, you know, you have more time and you can negotiate a little bit more. So, you know, the, the seeds are planted at the deadline and then mm -hmm. things happen at the winter meetings or whatever. And so we could, I could definitely see they, I'm sure they had a lot of discussions on Vasquez over the last two weeks. Um, so they, that prepares them that, that lays the groundwork for the off season. The only thing is, is that I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, if, if you're going to sign a, a, a position free agent, a position player free agent to a lot of money, I'm just not really sold that it should be a catcher because, you know, they break down so easily. I mean, we see, you know, Buster Posey broke down, you know, uh, I mean, he had such a good career, but, you know, he broke down pretty quickly after a certain time. And then, you know, I mean, you even look at Jonathan Lucroy, who, you know, was a two-time all-star catcher not long ago and now he's yep. you know and now he's at Pawtucket so um I'm not a huge fan but if there is a catcher that you could in you know and in, in, I would also put I would also DH that catcher too you know just to save his legs or put him at first base um but if there is a catcher he's the one to sign and that is definitely a realistic possibility especially when you already you know shopped uh, Vasquez so far and saw his and you know know his market a little bit that maybe that could happen but you know we'll see I mean we'll see about his market anyway I mean he could have a bigger you know he could have a he could have a market where there's you know people willing to spend a lot more than the Red Sox mm -hmm. yeah and maybe the people that or the teams that lose out on Real Muto decide to go for Vasquez as, as an alternative there and yeah. um that could make some sense so that's a trade deadline recap not the most exciting but the Red Sox did make moves a little bit more exciting than last year when they added Andrew Castor and then Dave Dombrowski uh, instilled a ton of confidence in his team by saying right after the deadline, well, we weren't good enough to force further moves. Uh, despite them being only a couple games out of the race, they then lost eight in a row. So um, that took care of that. But we know this team's not going anywhere. Maybe the prospects will. That's Chris Smith. I'm Chris Cotillo. And we'll catch you next time on the Fenway Rundown.